AVXL episode 185 was recorded on June 9th, 2022. Outdoor speaker recommendations, replacing a dead surround sound processor, Kef updates the LSX, and just how might OLED screens get upgraded over the next couple of years. All that and so much more. And don't forget, email ask at avxl.com if you got a question for us. And thank you, thank you, seriously, thank you to everyone that supports us at patreon.com slash avxl. Your monthly contributions make this show possible. Testing one, two, three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Welcome to AVXL, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear, no matter what your budget is. I'm Patrick Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron. I am delighted to say that I have a couple wireless earbuds to listen to, but that there have been no massive changes or updates in the headphone community in several days. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> we'll see. That means there's no new headphones, right? At least this week. No. <laughs> There's always new Maybe. headphones. <laughs> or I just looked at the wrong page. Oh, my goodness. Um, remember I talked about how a speaker died? We'll talk about it later in the show, but I had a successful experience with a dead speaker being replaced under warranty. It was very exciting. Oh, very cool. That. It's so nice when it works out. It is nice when it works out. It's also funny how rare it is for gear to die, but that's a whole other conversation. Rob, you're a, a regular consumer of the Stop the FOMO channel up on YouTube, and you were really impressed by a chart that they put together talking about how OLEDs could potentially improve over the next couple of years, 2023, 2024. Totally. He condensed it down into the basic technologies from the various manufacturers out there currently dealing with this hardware. And I'd say this is one of the best videos he's put out so far. Some of the main points he covers in this video, which I will definitely link to in our show notes. One being the chemistry improvements. We're talking about efficient and stable light emitters and making them even more so going forward. There is a current battle you could think of between the chemists over phosphorescent versus <laughs> fluorescent chemistries. However, it seems like both camps, even though the folks in the phosphorescent group are like, oh no, this is the future. The fluorescent folks who've been around forever are like, no, we can keep improving what we're doing and keep it up just nicely. However, in the timeline he outlies, uh, by late 2023 or early 2024, we should see more of the inkjet printed style RGB printed OLED display options out there with more manufacturers getting into the game at a variety of sizes. And that will just simply help increase not only the availability, but lower the costs for all of us. When it came to Samsung's QD OLED tech, specifically in terms of chemistry, they are looking at a brand new blue emitter, which is the primary color they use, with a quantum dot converter. And that chemistry is likely to be introduced in CES timeframe. We're looking at 2023, January. We should see something about that. The other improvement he shows about making OLEDs a better, more robust, brighter display is the physical subpixel size. It turns out that the subpixels on your traditional OLED display come nowhere near close to completely filling the available space when they actually put them in there. And by increasing that subpixel fill from the typical, say, sub 30% to over 60% is another method of increasing not only the brightness, but you could potentially run those emitters at 
lower levels to achieve the same brightness. Either way, an improvement in efficiency and longevity. And a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the meta lens features and diffraction grid technologies uh, that can be used to improve current OLEDs by simply redirecting some of the stray light that may be going not in the typical perpendicular outward direction toward your eyes and getting it there. Those technologies, at least according to Mr. FOMO, that should be something we should look for in LG's next flagship. Overall, I would say this is a, one of his best presentations, and it really just gives a good, quick visual overview of how the different display manufacturers are aiming to not only make cheaper OLEDs, but better OLEDs as well in terms of brightness and longevity in particular. And for that, I am very thankful. And it is a channel that is, I will say, I watch it quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> he does good side-by-side -side comparisons, too. There's a core group of uh, reviewers out there that I think are doing some really good work, and Mr. FOMO is improving with every episode. Mr. FOMO. I should really learn his Mr. name. <laughs> like, everyone just calls out. him FOMO. You say FOMO, and you know who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just kind of fascinated by how little or how much space the subpixels actually could expand at this point. That's... Uh... Truly a pretty wild concept. So, Kef's kind of been on a roll this year. I feel, well, this summer, right? They dropped the LS60, which is their tower version of the LS50 wireless, uh, which has some pretty spectacular specs, and it has at least one friend of mine drooling and desperate to bring it into his lifestyle. Uh, also, I dig the blue that they come in. They upgraded the LSX with the LSX2. I actually have thought of this speaker as the baby LS50 wireless. Something that Kef confirmed with uh, Darko Audio is that this is the same four and a half inch uh, magnesium aluminum uh, Uniq unique 11th generation driver it's got a three-quarter inch aluminum dome tweeter uh, those are concentric with that tangerine waveguide that we've seen in so many of Kef's systems uh, especially the LS50 the LS50 wireless the original LSX and now with the LSX2 apparently the same drivers and the same amplification so I've used these uh, on a desktop in a living room to replace the speakers. Or when I wanted to have a, a an audio experience that either wasn't the speakers built into the television we had in, in, in the RV or because I wanted to listen to music in the RV because the RV, RV speakers are almost always trash. And the ones in our RV were an especially terrible form of trash that I just let us never speak of them again. A significant upgrade. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Without a doubt. Dude. The speakers, you know, in our little TCL 42-inch TV were a significant upgrade over the <laughs> premium audio experience that was included in our RV. There's probably a real there's probably a real opportunity for people to upgrade uh, AV systems in RVs, but let me not go down that particular rat hole. So anyhow, I've used these as desktop speakers. I've used them in the RV. I've used them as a secondary speaker system in the house. I've used them temporarily in the garage. I think they're a little nice for my garage, but my garage is not a nice place uh, unless you like dust and oil and mayhem. But what they did do was kind of upgraded the whole back of the speaker, right? It now has the same W2 wireless platform that's on the LS50 Wireless 2 and the LS60 Wireless. I think that's a good thing, um, which means it's got room EQ now with a built-in DSP. You know, there's a, a normal mode that talks you through the process. They have an expert mode that I guess you can get in and tweak. I haven't seen what that looks like yet, but I'm kind of curious. 
Wi-Fi, Bluetooth 4.2, HDMI ARC. That's a big addition for anybody who wants to use these in their living room. Toslink Optical USB-C, which makes it really easy to connect to your desktop. Uh, 3.5 millimeter analog inputs. 802.11 ABGNACM, and uh, they also have a pair of RJ45 jacks on one speaker and a single RJ45 jack on the second speaker. One of those is for Ethernet. The other one allows you to create a wired speaker connection using the standard uh, Ethernet cable, which I am a huge fan of. Uh, that's actually how I run them most of the time. Not that there was any particular problem with the wireless connection, but it was just I I like I you know it's. Robert and Patrick like to wire things. What, an easy-to-terminate cable connection between speakers? Please. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I like that. that. One, less, one less thing crowding up the 2.4 or 5 gigahertz uh, frequencies. One difference that inter-speaker connection makes, uh, if it's wireless, everything gets resampled to 48 kilohertz, 24-bit PCM. If it's wired, uh, then everything's resampled to 96 kilohertz, 24-bit PCM, which is kind of funny because network, they tell you it can do up to 384 kilohertz, 24-bit, but I guess it's resampled. Quite frankly, I think, uh, you know, high-res is more than most of it. I'm not particularly fussed. Uh, I like as little resampling as possible. Um, but then again, I listen to almost exclusively standard Redbook CD audio uh, FLAC files. But uh, optical and USB-C, it'll handle up to 96 kilohertz, 24 bits um, HDMI input. That HDMI input is like 48 kilohertz, 16 bit. I think this is all fine. Um, yeah. It's a nice pair of speakers. Um, they're going to sound really good. I like the upgrades they've made on the backside. The original design is by Michael Young. Uh, this version, the LSX2, is going to be in a mineral white in matte satin, a lava red high gloss finish, because in the past they were all fabric covered. Uh, and they also have a carbon black and cobalt 2 in a specially designed fabric from Danish contemporary textile designer Kvadrat which I'm probably butchering, but Sounds I can't good. resist any opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I also got to give a shout out. There is a special, the Soundwave edition, uh, which was done with a partnership with Terrence Conrad. They have a Soundwave pattern woven into the fabric with a blue driver inside the, or the blue concentric driver, tweeter inside the, the main driver. I want to give a shout out to Terrence Conrad. He passed not too long ago. I actually worked in a Conrad's furniture store. Like, I think the only one that was in the United States, which was in lower Manhattan. And the man had style, and I still have a couple of his design books. Seriously, I ran the original LSX, like I said, on a desktop in a living room uh, as the upgraded audio for the RV and several better or worse locations around my house. This looks like a worthy upgrade. Really curious to hear it. Not the cheapest upgrade. Uh, it's going to be about $1,400 here in the U.S. $1,199 if you are in Great Britain. Uh, cobalt Blue. Pounds. Send me two Shipping. of the Cobalt Blue, baby. They're so pretty. Yeah. The blues are so pretty. Um, those are going to be shipping June 23rd. So hey, a couple weeks. Yeah, I need to find a dealer that has these in the LS60s in stock. Very, very curious to hear both of those. Very I cool. am, I am. So, definitely worth thinking about. You know what else is worth thinking about? Our patrons. We think about you all the time. Yeah, and we Right do. now, we're thinking about... We've been going through, listing another six patrons. We started uh, from the very first patron... Back the tail into 2015. We're up to May of 2016. Bernie Noblock, Mark Holhouse, Thomas Rice, 
David Bredowitz, Justin, and Richard Glidewell. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being our patrons. Because quite frankly, without you, uh, this would not be possible. You guys make this possible with your monthly contributions. And uh, I should point out, we had a couple of questions about our last Hangout. Um, one was whether or not we recorded the Hangout audio for folks to listen to later. Uh, frankly, we treat it like a live event. We want it to be special. We want it to be something that happens with the people in the room. I will think about recording and making the audio available uh, for later consumption. That is an interesting concept that, quite frankly, never occurred to me because apparently I have a small and narrow mind. <laughs> and uh, several folks had comments similar to Laura's. And Laura wrote, I did not receive any announcement of the Zoom Hangout. It was pure chance that I looked at my phone and the link was there. Well, that's because the Hangouts are technically for $10 and $20 patrons. Uh, if there's a light turnout or folks leave early or we just pick the worst time ever and there aren't that many people to hang out, we open up the Hangout to folks in the other tiers. The $5 tier, for example, gets early access to the show. The $10 and $20 tiers get the Hangouts. And we, you know, if there's if it's a light thing or people are leaving early, we like to open it up just to give more people a chance to participate. We are going to tweak the tiers a little bit. We've had interest in a Discord channel, some things like that. Uh, if there's something you're interested in us doing for you as patrons, do us a favor, let us know. Ask at avxl.com or post at patreon.com slash avxl. And hey, seriously, if you're on the 10 or $20 tier and you have not been seeing the Hangout announcements, please let us know. Patreon.com slash avxl or email ask at avxl. And we'll figure out why you're not seeing them and we will fix that. And uh, seriously, to all of our patrons, thank you your patronage uh, your monthly contributions make this show possible and we really appreciate that yeah we do and i have some ideas too how we could use something like discord to to uh we'll, we'll get into it but that would make for some interesting <laughs> features where i think we could get everybody in at least to listen and then participants at the higher tiers to begin with and who knows uh that would be one cool way to do it and it would incorporate audio and video into one thing and it could be the all-around fix we might be looking for. So we will investigate further. And speaking of our crew, the good folks over at Reddit on the AVXL subreddit in particular, I have to give a shout out to Flynace2000 who posted, quote, thinking of using Zone 2 on my Pioneer LX305 for my backyard for music and eventually outdoor movie nights. Are monoprice outdoor speakers any good? I want to keep the pair to under $300 or close to. That's a good question. It is a good question. So monoprice speakers, like monoprice headphones, are either very, very good or not so good. Two of my favorite headphones of all time to recommend to people and to use myself. Uh, one monoprice headphone, one monolith headphone. A couple other of the earbuds, the headphones I've heard uh, were horrible. In any case... The speakers are like that, too. Some of their speakers are better than others. Uh, it really depends on which model you're looking at. Uh, again, the monolith stuff tends to be higher quality than the general monoprice stuff, but I digress. Um, the only legit outdoor speaker roundup I know of was done by Brent Butterworth over at the Wirecutter. I've seen a lot of, like, top 10 speakers for summer outdoor fun where they kind of have a trashy collection of crappy, uh, you know, Reviews right. off of Amazon, you know, turning that, a search results called... into a segment <laughs> that um, or a listicle, as the case may be. That's 
But uh, Brent is somebody, you know, we've known for a long time. He's a fantastic product reviewer. Uh, he does headphones. He does speakers. He's probably tested more subwoofers than anyone else alive. He said the Monoprice 13614, their 6.5-inch weatherproof two-way speaker, quote, have an extremely bright and blaring sound. Now, if you're into bright and blaring, that might be the perfect speaker for you. For the rest of us, it's probably a pass. Brent's pick from OSD Audio, are they're fully sealed, so you're not going to have any spider, rain, or dust problems. They're efficient, which means you don't need a super powerful amp to drive them. And they deliver, I quote Mr. Butterworth, enough bass for R&B, hip-hop, and rock music, which means you should be good to go for movies. I'm going to send you over to the wire cutter to get the link so Brent can get paid because he did a lot of work on this. Uh, you can also check his upgrade pick and they also have a $70 budget pick all of these I think are well under $300 in fact let me double check since I did not memorize the entire article their primary pick was $200 their upgraded pick was $175 and their bargain pick again was like 70 bucks so lots of options there um, wire cutter reviews best outdoor speakers Brent Butterworth uh did that one or we'll have a link in the show notes or just search for best outdoor speakers and wire cutter um there's some good stuff in there and also brent's pick was a brand of speakers that i would not have known existed so heads up on that one very cool hey another good post over on the avxl subreddit on the reddit of course came from dab 69 who had this question my emotiva mc700 just died and i'm looking for a replacement suggestion I'm leaning toward replacing the system with a Sonos, but I'm not completely sure if that is the direction I want to go. That's another good question. I'm digging it. Yeah. So that MC700 is a 7.1 channel surround sound processor. Uh, It is now, I guess it's retired. It was $700 when it was last shipping. And I think the biggest question for you, Dab69, is how much do you like or not like the speakers you currently have and how much money you have tied up in amps since that MC700 feeds an amp for each channel, right? It's a, it's it, When you hear surround sound processor, think preamp, right? You need external power amps to drive the individual speakers. You know, if you have a, a ton of money tied up in a nice set of uh, amplifiers, you may want to replace that surround sound processor. You know, the downside is that most surround sound processors are brutally expensive, costing thousands of dollars because they're aimed at high-end home theater consumers. You could wait for Emotiva to start shipping their $1,000 Basics MC1 13.2 channel Dolby Atmos and DTX Cinema Processor again, and that might be the way to go. If you like your speakers and you got a bunch of money tied up in power amplifiers, that's going to handle just about anything you can think about setting up currently or in the future you could also just walk away and buy an avr uh denon's avr s760h i should say you could walk away from your power amplifiers uh and buy a basic avr denon's denon's avr 760h i think it's a 7.2 surround sound receiver or avr that's selling at costco right now for 500 dollars. it'll do two channels of atmos um and a whole bunch of and five surround channels uh if you want four overhead atmos channels uh the avr i own uh, the AVR 3700H is still the one to beat. It's $1,600 now. And if you just want something cheap and dirty, well, not dirty, but cheap, uh, Denon's entry-level 5.1 surround sound AVR, the S540BT, is still out there for $350. That's a fantastic 5.1 surround sound AVR. Uh, that's a pretty good deal. 
because some of the older ones won't handle pass-through 4K and other things that can be a while, uh, pain. Um, if you go for one of the more expensive AVRs, not just from Denon, from Marantz, or any of a number of other companies, they will also often do preamp outputs that you can run into the power amplifiers you have if you want to keep using those. And yes, you could definitely go Sonos. Um, their new entry-level soundbar, the Ray and a pair of Sonos 1SL, uh, speakers for the rear channels will set you back $677. If you want a more substantial sound bar, you can upgrade that Ray for a beam. That brings you up to 807 with a pair of 1SLs. That gets you Atmos bouncing off your ceiling. If you add a sub to that beam 1SL combo, you're at $1,506. That's $90 off, by the way. And if you upgrade the beam for an arc, you're at $1,946 with a pair of SLs for the rear channels and a sub. Um, that's $100 off the regular price. The trick to remember with Sonos is you don't have to buy it all. <laughs> True. You know, you you can start with a sound bar and see if you like it and kind of add things from there. You know, they are contained. They are wireless. They're easy to stash in different parts of your house. They have some basic tuning to compensate for any weird positioning you do. And also cheaper, smaller subs, or we presume cheaper subs that are smaller are coming uh if the fcc reports are any indication when those are going to arrive we don't know but man i think the biggest thing is do you like the speakers you have now or do you want to replace them because if you like the speakers you have now i'd say either hold out for another surround sound processor or get a discrete avr uh, especially if you want to add the ability to do atmos overhead channels so that sounds like a good plan you got options. <laughs> you do. And they're all pretty good. They're all pretty good. By the way, if you've been in the market for a Sonos Roam or Move, I noticed while I was looking up the other prices that those are on sale at Sonos.com. Esta bueno. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, I mentioned a rare fail by a demo product I bought uh, and that I'd talk more about what happened with the return process. Uh, the upside is... Uh, Outside of the product being bad, uh, well, so I bought a Cali Audio LP6 V2 powered monitor from Sweet Monitor. It was a demo, so I got it for 20% uh, discount. And I bought the other one, I should point out, quote, well used, unquote, for $109 from B&H Photo. I'm not sure what made it well used. Uh, it looked flawless, so it was well worth the near 50% discount to me. Um, the uh, the LP6 V2 I got from Sweetwater, though, it sounded great for about 8 or 10, 12 minutes. Then there was a loud pop. Like if you were, you know, if you plugged an RCA cable into your power amp and cut the end off of it and started bridging the channels, like a big nasty pop. There was a pop. Uh, my ear went ow. The speaker died. Uh, power cycling it brought it back to life for like two minutes. And it would just play for a little bit and die and play for a little bit and die every time I restarted it. Uh, and each time it died, there was that big pop. So, um, you know, maybe some kind of circuit breaker or something inside of there. Capacitor failure. Capacitor failure. So it turns out Sweetwater, uh, you know, I don't know if it's all of their gear, but on the stuff I bought, Sweetwater gives it a two-year in-house warranty. So I went through support. They agreed to RMA it uh, rather emphatically after I, you know, because I, you know, they were waiting on, on the phone while I was playing the speaker and waiting for the pop to happen. And, of course, like, you know. They said, look, we'll get this started. Do us a favor. Send us. And in any case, they were super patient, but I, I had to like go pick up my child before they were sold on uh, eBay. And uh, 
And of course, literally like a minute after I got off the phone and was about to leave, I got the big pop. So then I got a video of it popping like every 60 seconds or two minutes and sent that to them. And they were very emphatic at that point. Like, yep, that's, that's definitely broken. And, uh, uh, was I sent them that video. So they sent me a fresh speaker. They sent me a return label and I have to finish packing up the old speaker and sending it back to them. So uh, props to Sweetwater for being fairly chill to deal with on a, a product replacement on a demo model that they sold to me. That's wonderful. Yeah, I was pretty stoked. And this is, you know, I should point out, I buy a lot of used or refurbished gear. Uh, almost all of my studio cameras, lenses, um, you know, a lot of audio gear. Uh, and it's honestly, it's really rare for me to have a problem like this. Um, that, the return, you know, usually is fine. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you have to, you know, caveat emptor, caveat emptor, caveat. Man, my Latin professor's. Probably weeping now. Uh, you got caveat it right there. emptor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Eventually, I'll get it right. But you know, so in any case, uh, you know, I yeah, I have to ship this speaker back, the the broken speaker back before they charge my credit card on file. Sweetwater doesn't ship you a replacement without a card on file because they want you to ship the old one back, uh, and they will charge you for the new one if you don't ship the old one back, which I think is uh, pretty reasonable, especially right. since they paid shipping both ways. They're not um, suckers. So Come Sweetwater. on. <laughs> no. No. And, you know, I've been a musician, so I feel comfortable saying musician can be scum. Musicians can be scum. In any case, let's but that let us not. That RMA included shipping, though, correct? You, yeah. You received yeah. The, 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 the sticker to put on the box. You could use the new box to put the old speaker in. That's yeah. literally the best case scenario for something like this. The first speaker I bought, I paid to ship it to me. And then the the refurb or the replacement, they shipped to me for free. And then I shipped the old one back to them for free. I got to be honest with you. I've bought used or refurbished or open box or demo gear from audio shops, from camera stores, from Craigslist, eBay, uh, U.S. Audio Mart, Guitar Center, Adorama, B&H Photo, Apple. Uh, I bought a couple of refurbished Apple laptops at Apple.com or the Apple Store. I uh, bought stuff from Dell's Outlet. I bought stuff from Amazon. Generally speaking, uh, especially on eBay, you want to make sure there's a return policy or that it seems legit. Uh, and, you know, I'm always skeptical uh, I try not to buy anything I can't afford to eat the cost on used off eBay because um, sometimes eBay is flaky. That's just the nature of eBay. I also say be careful about open box stuff, depending on where you buy it. Best Buy is kind of notorious for having stuff missing on the box, but charging nearly as much as the thing cost full retail. Uh, I don't know if they've gotten better about that. So, you know, if you're looking at an open box thing for Best Buy, make sure the discount is deep and verify what the return policy is and check to make sure the product's working like the minute you get it home. Right. Uh, yeah. If I'd bought this speaker uh, from other venues, I would be SOL, to use a highly technical phrase. But uh, Sweetwater's warranty saved uh, my beacon in this case. So pay attention to the warranty or the return policy, um, especially if you're buying from some places where... You know, just be aware. Truly. Just saying. I went through something kind of similar with a new cell phone purchase recently, a couple months ago, where the first device, it didn't work the way as expected. So the solution was to swap it out for another device. And I literally mm -hmm. ended up in that scenario where we're sending you the new one. We're going to put a temporary charge on your card while we get that to you. So you get it immediately. And then you can just take the old product, throw it in the new box and ship it right back for free. And it all worked out in the end. It's nice when it all works out in the end. 
it's good to know what those terms and conditions are, though, before going down that route. Be it with a new device or, in your case, uh, just looking at used or gently gently opened gear, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> hey, and before we get out of here, I just wanted to mention that uh, as far as what I am watching right now, I am trying to finish up my first run-through of the wonderful game Cyberpunk 2077. I would say it's wonderful nowadays with a few updates and everything like that. This game is one very dystopian glimpse of a potential future. <laughs> it's got that right blend of where everything seems possible in another 50 years or so. So <laughs> overall, I would say number one, ray tracing in that game, even on a quote unquote not next gen engine, still looks damn good. And it's really one of my favorite things about that game is just the visual characteristic of it. And of course, just some wonderful quote unquote radio stations where you can select different types of music, everything from a quote unquote news station on to various genres. If you're just into certain types of sound or you just want to change it up for every vehicle you jump into. It's uh, it's awesome that way. I really do like the audio in the game a lot. It is definitely a game for mature audiences. There are some very dark storylines in that amazing audio visual glorious presentation but uh yeah the uh the laughs and humor are kind of not nearly as uh, impactful as they say darkest of the story uh, in that case but so much darkness <laughs> i will likely end up playing through this game again just trying different things it's one of those dialogue driven games too where you can make choices and it for me I would say one tip for anybody is just to keep your finger on that F5 button for a quick save. So if you aren't planning on replaying the game again at some point in the future, you can at least try out different scenarios to see how they go down before you just kind of make your final permanent save and move forward from there. But overall, I'm I'm really digging it uh, more than I thought I would. And I think it's more about the size of the environment and the variety of the environments you can be in from outdoor landscapes to dark, danky streets and cities to high-end, you know, homes and businesses to cruise through and just the characters in the game itself. It's all pretty cool. Uh, nice. I've, I've got my money out of it for sure. And, you know, we were talking about OLEDs earlier, and I just have to say that one of my biggest complaints overall about every OLED I've ever seen is that your SDR brightness, when you're watching regular content, is generally significantly less than it is when you're watching something like HDR content. It never jumps to that brighter boosted level or when you hear about peak brightness levels of OLEDs, it's never that for SDR. And that is not the case with LCD technology. Usually in every LCD I look at, there is a way to achieve literally the same brightness you'll get out of an HDR presentation as you will an SDR presentation. And it's all the more reason to consider something like LCD technology if you are not dealing with a light-controlled room environment. Uh, if your primary viewing is going to be connecting an SDR source, be it a cable box or whatever, uh, you might want to consider something a little brighter, or at least as far as SDR viewing goes, when choosing your next display. It's something I kind of hope they would change, too, and I guess I see why they don't in general, because when you are in HDR mode, you are driving the panel harder, you are using more wattage, you are running it literally hotter. <laughs> so maybe they don't want SDR to be as bright as HDR for, you know, 
folks who may want it uh, just due to the fact that it will provide a little extra wear and tear on the panel. But that's something to keep in mind. Say, for example, something like Sony's A90J, last year's probably number one OLED panel. That thing will easily hit 700-ish nits in HDR, but for SDR, you won't crack 500 in any kind of a reasonably calibrated mode. Hmm. I mean, that's still pretty bright, but you compare what you can get out of a value LCD for a fraction of the price. And again, it really comes back to that room environment. If it's light controlled, it really doesn't matter. Uh, your OLED's always going to look good in that environment. But consider carefully what it is you're actually going to be using your TV with the majority of the time. If it's SDR sources like, you know, most of your YouTube videos or just TV in general. Uh, yeah, an LCD. A DVD collection. Yeah, a, a, an LCD can provide a much brighter viewing experience for when it's needed. Good to know. Yeah. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap up this episode of AVXL. If you've got a question for us, email ask at avxl.com, tweet at Robert Heron, at Patrick Norton, or at AVXL. And, uh, of course, if you're a patron, and we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you once more to all of our patrons, you can, of course, message us at patreon.com slash AVXL. We'll keep an eye out for those. And, hey, in case you missed it, we are on the Reddit and uh, – that would be uh, r slash a-v-e-x-c-e-l so you have options people we want to hear what you're curious about we want to hear your questions we want to hear what you're curious about moving forward so reach out Robert Heron, Patrick Norton avxl or email ask at avxl.com and before I say the whole thing over one more time I'm going to say that's it for this episode of avxl I'm Patrick Norton I am Robert Heron we'll catch you next week on avxl <laughs>